Hi, I'm David Coverdale from Whitesnake, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. is Appetite for Distortion. Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 312. My name is Brando. We got two interviews for you today. Coming up a little bit later, we have the President and CEO of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Greg Harris. We'll be talking about the upcoming induction ceremony, and I will get to one of your Guns N' Roses-related questions regarding that ceremony that was. But first, we have, we welcome back to the podcast, the iconic lead singer of Whitesnake, Mr. David Coverdale. Whitesnake is releasing the 25th anniversary edition of the album Restless Heart, and that is going to be coming out October 29th via Rhino Records. Hello, Mr. Coverdale. How are you? Happy belated birthday. I know it was last month, but I, I'm a September baby also, so happy uh, belated 70th. I Virgo, Virgo's rule, babe. You know, it's a challenging life, is it not? You know? Uh, yeah, it, it's very interesting. I'd planned to retire on the 2020 tour uh, when I was uh, 69. I thought that was the perfect age for the singer from <laughs> Whitesnake to call it a day. Uh, but sadly, it was not to be, as we know. Uh, other events were in store. Uh, so now it doesn't quite, you know, the T-shirt designs don't resonate as well for 70. Uh, but it's mind-blowing to me that... Uh, that I'm preparing my farewell tour. And it is, make no mistake, this is the farewell tour. I'm 70. It's a very physically challenging thing uh, for me to do at the best of times. Um, but it's very important for me to uh, achieve completion and to express my appreciation and gratitude to all the people, the millions of people over the years who've supported me for five Five decades, 50 years, it blows my mind. It really does. I, we should all be so accomplished as you when we hit 70. But that's a good segue to what, you're ta- what we're here to talk about now, for the most part, the re-release, the reissue of Restless Heart. So with the farewell tour, that was supposed to be a farewell tour. So how do you feel about that? Is this kind of like retribution for you? Because you, it was, it was going to be a solo album, and then they made it David Coverdale and White well, Snake. And yeah, how do you was, feel? Well, you know, I, I was going to call it Dancing on the Titanic because, really, at that time in my life and the success I'd achieved, but I couldn't. You know, different executives I was working with said, "Oh, you know, contractually well, we have to insist it's a White Snake record." So I ended up calling it David Coverdale and White Snake, which did not sit well with me. But I had to be talked out of... The songs were too good, to be honest, uh, to put that kind of dismissive title. Um, but uh, Restless Heart, I think, is appropriate. Um, I'm really glad that I have the opportunity to revisit uh, these uh, albums and uh, bring them up to date. It's the same House of Whitesnake, 
we just rearranged the furniture, maybe bought some new wallpaper. Uh, but it's still, in essence, uh, you'd recognize the house. But it's really good songs from Adrian and I. I'd come off the Coverdale Page project, uh, and my manager said, I think it's time you worked under your, your own name, which has never honestly been a priority for me. Um, I like being in Whitesnake. I like being a member of the band. Mm. So it's, it, I guess it is kind of almost full circle because, again, now is going to be a farewell tour. And it seems like you can – Yeah, I, I get this, and I believe you, that this is it. This is going to be the farewell tour. So if I can ask – Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, no question. I'm, 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 a lot of my peers and contemporaries are like on their 20th. <laughs> on tour, you know, I don't intend to plan that. This is, I must explain, though, it's me. Just David Coverdale is retiring from touring at that level. Whitesnake will still make projects, music. I've been writing music all through COVID. Mm. I've got some beautiful new ideas. I have ideas in case Jimmy wants to do anything right on FaceTime, which is an alien concept to him. Mm. Uh, but, you know, all, all songs that we can utilize for a Whitesnake project. But the music of Whitesnake will continue. Um, that's most important that people know. I'm just stopping touring at this level. That's it. I gotcha. You know? Okay, so with that, I'm going to sprinkle in some fan questions I got for you. This is from... Uh, You're going to sprinkle? I, I, it's a lovely little sprinkle. You like yeah. that word? Sprinkle in some fan Very questions. Very much indeed. Yeah, it's like moist. <laughs> That's a good one, too. I don't know if these, these questions are moist, but I'll sprinkle them in. Uh, this, so this is from... <laughs> these are from... Uh, this is from Ken from Eastport, uh, Long Island, uh, New York. So I guess you kind of answered that a little bit, that Whitesnake is not retiring, but, but you're retiring at that level. But are you going to be active? Like, would you consider a solo album maybe with various guitarists, maybe like a Slash yeah, yeah. or Joe Perry? Well, or? you've got to look at, for instance, I've got a bunch of uh, ideas for Whitesnake. You know, so we may have another project there. I don't know. Uh, without the pressure of having to go and tour, we have such a solid fan base. I think fans are going to buy the record with or without a tour. This is just emotionally for me to be able to go out there and do stuff. And also, you've got to remember, we've started this legacy series of box sets, similar to the 25th anniversary. We have, I think, the 35th anniversary of Slide It In, the 30th anniversary of uh, the Whitesnake 87 album. Uh, the, we have a very special project planned for, to accompany the tour. We have another box set uh, planned for this time next year. And then in 2023, we have the 30th anniversary of Coverdale Page and the 50th anniversary of rejoining Deep Purple. Wow. Mind-blowing. That is, that is mind-blowing. So it's not like, it's not like I'm re retiring. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're shifting. You're, you're shifting to use another... Uh, Interpretive word, I guess. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really having uh, having the time, and still, thankfully, uh, physically and vocally, I, I, I still have the goods. Uh, as yeah. my wife reminds me, I was actually touring uh, up to spring uh, in 2020 uh, before lockdown, uh, and that's I was 68 years, and I was kicking 60 years old, and still kicking ass. Mm -hmm. And of course, having an amazing band an incredible, enthusiastic audience gives you that energizing aspect. It's just the traveling um, uh, is challenging for me. Um, but, I, I, you know, it's, music is oxygen to me. It's, you know, 
I'm not going to go fishing or take up crochet. Mm. You know, mm. I'm, I'm going to definitely be doing projects. I'm lucky enough to have my own studio. It's the best of all, a bunch of worlds. It, it's really, and I have to thank people in person around the world for helping me to be in this position um, uh, that I am in my life at this time. Uh, I don't want to do it through a video, social media, you know, sorry we can't get out there, but thank you for 50 years. It's, it, that would be heartbreaking for me. Yeah, absolutely. And you can just tell by the way you're so active on Twitter, you want to be out there with the people, making people laugh and enjoy. I got a lot of questions well, like that yeah, or comments like that. They love brand, your Twitter. Well, Brandon, I think uh, I amplified that when we were in lockdown. Um, there's a lot of people, you know, I won't allow negative energy on the thing. Uh, I can't stand divisiveness uh, um, uh, and, and the health issue that we're suffering from being made political. These things are very difficult, but I keep them off my social media. I want to try to uplift people's spirits in Japan, in South America, you know. You know, my, my social media is all over the world, and I've, I've specifically made more of it in order to let people remind people they're not alone. You know, it's been the most challenging um, time these last two years. It's ridiculously challenging for the whole species, you know. Yeah. It's not just, oh, my God, I had to cancel my tour. It's, it's huge. And, uh, and one of the things that I know through being a musician is how such so many cross-sections of societies come to see me, different cultures, you know, and, and sing and laugh and scream and shout at a white snake show. So I know global community is possible. It's just get the politicians who don't support it out of the way. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, and I know I only have you here for a few more minutes, and that's why with all this stuff going oh, on, I, I try to, to reminisce, and, and, and that's why you reissuing music and, and uh, watching you perform, maybe not live, but your, kind of your Robert Palmer-esque video, so you are out there. It, it brings uh, us joy. That was, my, that was great. That was actually, no, I used to know him. I knew him as Alan Palmer uh, for many, many years, uh, and tragic end. Mm. But that was more the Supremes, dude. You know, at, at first okay. I said to my wife, I said, I have to do a video for You're So Fine. Uh, can I borrow your sexy legs? You know, to walk up and down in different, I went, and then suddenly that ended up me ordering three sparkly dresses and the <laughs> girls got uh, matching shoes. And it was my wife, Cindy, uh, my personal assistant, Denise, and my massage therapist, Jamie. Those are my snakeheads. So, yeah, it was, that was a lot of fun to do that. Awesome. A lot of fun. One more question for you, and this is actually from yes, somebody you may, you may know. Uh, former Guns N' Roses manager Doug Goldstein. I told him that I was interviewing you, and he wants to know if you were aware that he brought in Steve Vai, that John Kalodner knew that I had been his bodyguard, and he also says thank him for the incredible music. Wow, that's fantastic. Send my very, very best if you'd be so kind. I will. And did you know that he brought you, Steve Vai, to collaborate, to, to be in Lights? No, no. I'd seen, uh, while I was still working with John Sykes, I saw the movie Crossroads, and that was the first time I was exposed, if you'll excuse the expression, <laughs> uh, public indecency. 
I was exposed to Steve Vai, who in that movie was playing the devil's guitar slinger. Uh, and I thought, oh, my God. And I called John. I said, I've just seen this amazing guitar player I think would be perfect on the other side of the stage to you. And of course, John wasn't remotely interested in sharing the stage. So, but I had been made aware of, uh, of Steve. So I don't know what the elements were, but I know after Adrian Vandenberg injured his wrists and couldn't perform, I escalated my approach to Steve, and thankfully he agreed to become a, a member of the Snakes. We text each other almost every day. A beautiful guy. Uh, I don't know whether you saw, but last year we had a 30th anniversary of a big, big festival we did in England uh, called Monsters of Rock in 1990, and that was the, the 30th anniversary of that, and we brought all the band together on... Um, on uh, Rhino established this kind of Zoom call. It was really fun. Uh, very cool. That is cool. And and David, what else is cool is the time that you, you've given. And I'm glad you're not completely retiring. So I look forward to everything else you have planned for the future because I'm excited. And, you know, your positive energy it radiates. So uh, thank you so much, David, for all the music and all the future oh, success. Thank you, Brandon. Very much appreciated. You stay safe, brother. You Love as that. well. I know left of our own device, advices, uh, David and I would be on the phone for hours. Honestly, he probably would have been on every radio station uh, this morning for hours if he had the chance. He's just that nice of a guy and just loves when people, I don't know, appreciate life and him. And I think that's reflects in his Twitter. You know, as, as I said uh, to David, many of you said, don't even, no question. I have no question for him. Just let him know that his Twitter is awesome and makes my day <laughs> for the most part. But if you are familiar with this podcast, Sometimes I do these radio promotional tours, so that's why some interviews are longer or shorter, rather, some shorter than others. So I only had about 10 minutes or so with David because he's speaking to, I think, 15 other radio stations this morning. So that's how it works. And it's the same thing now with Mr. Greg Harris. So I got my 10 minutes with him, with the president of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How are you, Mr. Harris? How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing great. You know, this is sort of like our Super Bowl week here. We've got the inductions coming up this Saturday night. Uh, just opened up the new inductees exhibit and a bunch of other stuff happening. I know, you're right. Like the Super Bowl week, you have all these activities and exhibits leading up to the actual event. So let's get right into it. Can you talk about one of the exhibits? I'm actually looking forward to checking out, uh, whether it's virtual or when I do visit there. And that's about Randy Rhodes. So how did that decision come about? Because he's receiving uh, the Musical Excellence Award. Uh, tell us all about that. Yeah, you know, um, it's an amazing induction class this year, right? We've got the Foo Fighters, Tina Turner, Carol King, Todd Rundgren, um, Go-Go's, Jay-Z, and we're honoring, you know, guitar icon Randy Rhodes. He's, um, he's being honored in a category that is uh, it's musical excellence, um, we've had categories through the years for sort of sidemen and support artists. And uh, he's being recognized, of course, for the great work with Quiet Riot and for really defining Ozzy's solo sound. Um, he was um, uh, a great influence on so many. And then in the exhibit we've got for, for guitar fans, you know, that white asymmetrical, it's sort of like a, it's not a flying V, but it's a V-shaped Jackson Concord guitar. And when you see it, that is the guitar that you picture him playing. And it's right there in our exhibits for all to see for the next year. 
Very cool. And what is that process like? Because obviously, I mean, Randy is deserving, but how do you narrow it down with all the guitar gods that are out there? Um, what is that process like? Is it similar to uh, like getting the inductees and nominating them? Is it similar? Uh, yeah, it's similar. There's a committee with artists that, that help contribute um, their perspective, their thoughts. There's some historians. And you're right, there's a giant group of deserving people. And the hardest part is, is settling on, on which will be honored in a given year. And um, that's the, the, the interesting thing with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In the whole history of rock and roll, there's only 351 inductees in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, this, every year the ballot comes out and you look at it and you're like, wow, there's 17 people and bands on this ballot, and all 17 of them could be in the Hall of Fame. They all deserve it. And the voting happens, and you end up with a group of five or six. And then the committees come together, and they, um, they pick some artists like Randy Rhodes, like Clarence Yvonne, a great music executive, and they're honored in that way. Very cool. And, and something else I'm excited about for, as somebody who grew up with first Nirvana and the Foo Fighters, the Foo Fighters one of the best live shows that I've ever seen. Uh, so very happy to see them get in. How did... Paul McCartney get selected to induct them because obviously Dave Dave Grohl's worked with everybody. He had his choice, the pick of the litter. How? What made it Sir Paul? Well, you know, I think um, one, as you noted, they know each other and respect each other, and uh, this these pairings. Sometimes it's an artist that uh, maybe a a younger artist that was influenced by the inductee. Other times, it's a it's a older artists that admires the inductee or has worked with them or knows their music in a, in a way that uh, makes it an appropriate fit. Um, this is a magical one. You know, the other great one this year is if you think about Carole King and all those great songs, um, you know, you've got a friend, a natural woman, and those just sort of power uh, uh, emotional songs. Taylor Swift was greatly influenced by Carole King, and so Taylor's going to come and induct Carole and then perform. Uh, Taylor will be performing as well as Jennifer Hudson. And it's those magical moments. You know, you think about uh, when uh, Brian May uh, inducted Def Leppard a couple years ago. And you learned that they had an ongoing uh, relationship, ongoing respect. And you thought it's very appropriate for a band that Def Leppard admired and shaped them. And then an elder statesman of rock and roll like Brian May to be putting them in. It's similar to the Paul McCartney uh, piece of this. And, uh, However it comes together, it's just magic, and it's going to be terrific on our stages this Saturday night. It's a great education in rock, past, you know, current, future. That's why I do look forward to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame each and every year. But if you know, I know I only have you for a few more minutes, and I appreciate you going over time with me because you've been talking all morning. As you alluded to, this is your Super Bowl week. You know, you're on Radio Row, so to speak. Uh, you mentioned Carol King. And the name of my podcast is Appetite for Distortion. So I kind of use these six degrees of what I call G&R bacon instead of Kevin Bacon, six degrees of separation to Guns N' Roses. So Carol King is, has played with Slash. That's a nice uh, one for me, six degrees. But of course, uh, Guns N' Roses themselves were inducted in 2012. So if you don't mind, I would just like to ask you some questions on that night or your experience of that night. I, I do have some questions from listeners because uh, I know at the time Axl Rose sent in a, a huge letter that you know why he wasn't going to attend 
But I was curious, other than that letter, this is from Nick on, uh, on Twitter, one of my listeners, any direct dialogue other than the letter with Axel or perhaps even Izzy other than that letter? Yeah, you know, that night was a pretty remarkable night. Rolling into that induction, if I remember correctly, um, uh, Guns uh, and Roses didn't plan on performing. Uh, they were in a down period, right? Mm-hmm. And um, if I remember correctly... It was, it was an induction on a Saturday night, and on Thursday, um, they got a hold of our show producer, um, I think it's Joel Parisman, the president of our foundation, uh, and others with the crew, and they said, you know what, we, we, we want a rehearsal space. And they flew Miles Kennedy out uh, to sing. Uh, they rehearsed. They hadn't played in, in quite some time. They rehearsed, and then they took the stage that Saturday night and just burned it down. Uh, it was a magical moment in... It's so great that, that that moment could have passed without the fans in the audience that were hoping to catch Guns N' Roses could even catch them, uh, minus Axel, but still catch them. And it was pretty incredible. And if I remember right, there was even a moment where I think Green Day came out and played as well. And there was, there was talk of maybe Green Day doing some Guns N' Roses songs if Guns N' Roses wasn't performing. And, uh, and G&R uh, just burned it down. It was an amazing uh, night. They did come over and... As they were rehearsing, if I remember right, on Saturday afternoon or maybe Friday at the venue, they everybody out of the venue. Uh, it was completely closed, and they banged through it, and then they surprised everybody Saturday night. It very cool, because I've had Joel Parosman on the, the program before, and also Miles Kennedy, who said he had no idea if Axel was going to show up or not. He didn't know he was going to perform until, like, the moment. Like, he was like, yeah. oh, okay, I got to go <laughs> sing, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, sorry, thanks for rehearsing, but uh, I'll take over now. But uh, did you, uh, does that, is my memory still still there? Did, did Miles mention coming out sort of at the drop of a hat? Yeah, he, he said he had no idea he was supposed to. He In his head, he's like, I think Axel might show up. And then in, when they saw, you know, Slash and everyone else go on stage, gave him the thumbs up. He's like, all right, I guess I got to go sing with, uh, with Guns N' Roses now. So that's very interesting. So do you, you know, as the president, do you, because that's rock and roll. Do you prefer, yeah, you obviously have a set schedule and you put so much work into, you know, timing and performances. But when those little moments happen of just, you know, it's live. I don't know what's going to happen. Do you like that? Or do you like the even keel, you know, it's going to run by a clock kind of show? Well, for me, you know, I'm glad you talked to Joel because Joel's really intimately involved in what happens on the stage. I tend to look the other way. I look up at the audience, and I look at the fans, and I, I think back on it's a while ago now, but 2009 was the first year we let fans actually attend the induction. Prior to that, it was a closed, um, it was a closed dinner at the Waldorf in New York, and we let fans in. And I remember when Metallica took the stage, and suddenly they weren't talking just to their family at the tables in the front. They were talking to Metallica fans up in the back row and up in the rafters. And it was like uh, somebody turned a hurricane loose in that, in that arena. And that's what I do is I look up and I see that, and I think this is the power and magic of rock and roll. Right on. And as you mentioned, fans are invited. So as this is happening October 30th, there are very few tickets that remain if you want to go to rockhall.com. And I can't wait to see it on HBO. I thank you so much for your time, Mr. President, if I can call you that. <laughs> Absolutely. 
And, uh, yeah, there are a few. This isn't like a marketing thing. There's a few tickets out there, and um, it will be a sold-out show if you're thinking about it. Um, get out to Cleveland Experiences live. If not, catch the, the broadcast on November 20th on HBO. And some of the clips will be running on Sirius XM and other places too. But uh, we'd love to have you in the house. It's going to be magical. There's always surprises. And, um, look forward to seeing you. Awesome. Thank you, Mr. Harris. Hope we get to speak with you again. Very cool. Hey, I didn't mention it, but we have um, our Rock and Roll Hall of Fame podcast that's out on iHeart as well. And it's induction moments. And I believe the Guns N' Roses is out there. Um, some of their performance footage and some other stuff. Okay, awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you. Hey, have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks so much. Pretty cool that I've had the president of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the president of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Foundation on this podcast trying to bring up the classiness of this pod. But, I mean, what kind of answers do you really expect to get from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame president if I say to him, why is not this band in? Why isn't this band in? I mean, you'd get hung up on. They, they know. They know. You know, maybe down the road I'll, I'll get a nice little, you know, hour one-on-one with, with the president and, and, and break it down like that, but I'm not going to bombard him when I got 10 minutes with him with, why do you hate rock and roll? <laughs> Some of the questions that you guys wanted me to ask. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to do is wrap up this episode of Appetite for Distortion. So please follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It's on YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. And if you have the option to leave a review, please do so. And don't forget the conversation continues in between the broadcasts. That's how you find out about the upcoming guests. That's how you can participate in episodes. You yourself can be on Appetite for Distortion talking about Guns N' Roses with me. Isn't that Awesome, isn't that everything you ever wanted in life? Although I've gotten a lot of people really say, thank you for bringing me on the podcast. No one in my family or none of my friends wants to talk about Guns N' Roses. What kind of friends and family are they? But I'm here for you. I'm your GNR friends and family. So until next time, when will you see the next episode? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know, as soon as the word. Yeah! security, I'm going home.